This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in roughly 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm good, Bryce. You could say I'm nervously excited for our keen listeners out there who listen to our Jesse Felder interview re-release. Yes. They will be aware that we scrapped an episode due to the quality of the audio, and yes. this was that episode. So if, if you're listening to this, <laughs> it means the audio quality second time round was up to scratch. If this never yes. sees the light of day, it means we're batting 0 from 2. Our quality control, our head of quality control stepped in and said, boys, do not release the last episode because we harp on about audio quality. So you know what, Ren, we listened and didn't release it, but here we are. Now, our, head of, our head of quality control is actually just Bryce's split personality. <laughs> <laughs> Fresh back from Japan, Ren, well, ready to get stuck back into... Well, yeah. actually a week back from Japan. Yeah, but, um, and what, from what you were saying, not too fresh. Yeah, look, still feeling the effects of... That sake rather- addiction you inherited while you are over there. <laughs> get, get over it. No, you get over sake, it, mate. The addiction isn't com- good. Sake being, if, if by sake you mean comic books, then yes, I'm now addicted to comic books. So anyway, moving on, we had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> we had a great time in Japan. Just want to shout out to a few of the listeners who did reach out to us while we were over there uh, who are either living there or also touring Japan at the same time and wanting to meet up for a beer. Apologies for not being able to do so as our itineraries didn't line up, but good to know that uh, we've got some listeners over in Japan. Yeah, um, we're big in Japan. Every mate's flag. Yeah, and, huge. Uh, big also, in Australia. Also, uh, an apology and a thank you to the Japanese Stock Exchange for allowing Bryce entry even though he was wearing shorts. Um, very disrespectful from him, but we look forward to releasing the content shot only from the waist up. Um, I hope in, so. In the near future. All media, all our social media, our social media guy happened to catch all the photos from feet up, which was rather alarming given that I was in shorts 
So, yes, hopefully it is waist up only, Ren. Otherwise, uh, yeah, not a good look. But anyway, keeping investing casual, that's what we're all about, aren't that's we, That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's very on brand <laughs> for us. Exactly. So, Ren, today's episode, we are talking about the death of the unicorn. Yes. Yes. What, what do we mean by that? <laughs> well, <laughs> so cutting what? off cutting off the horns of the unicorn back into a horse, is that right? Yeah, public market investors have cut their horns off and revealed them just to be horses in disguise. <laughs> and what do we mean by that? Well, maybe let's start with what a unicorn a unicorn is. Yes. It's a term used for private companies that are worth more that are valued at more than a billion dollars. Probably a decade ago, unicorns were quite rare, hence the name. Recently, unicorns have become more and more common as more and more venture capital is invested in some of these big tech companies. But what we've seen really in the last six months is that a lot of these unicorns are being found out and especially when they go into public markets. So when they IPO and go on the stock exchange, they're really being found out as maybe not so much unicorns and maybe more horses. So we want to talk about it because it's a growing trend. They're obviously companies that we use and we're interested in. And look, maybe it's a buying opportunity or maybe it's a mini correction in the land of venture capital. Yeah, big time. So let's just quickly touch on what we're going to talk about. So we'll start with a few of the bigger falls that we've seen in these big tech companies since IPO. Then we'll discuss what has created this sort of uh, VC unicorn bubble and I guess what environment that has then gone on to create. And then we'll have a look at why perhaps this bubble may be ending and what it means for us as retail investors. But before we get into that, Ren, I think it would be a good idea just to bounce off each other our sort of idea of what is venture capital, because I think it's important to understand that in respect to to unicorns and what we're about to discuss. So from my point of view... Oh, and uh, and by the way, we haven't spruiked our live show yet. So <laughs> just true. to go completely off course, 23rd of October in Melbourne, 29th of October in Sydney, equitymates.com slash finomize, be there or miss out. All right, on with the show. <laughs> that is why Ren is not head of marketing because <laughs> it's a fast and loose approach. Anyway, we will get back to that at the end of the show. So venture capital, Ren, from my point of view, is essentially betting on early concepts. It's a form of in- investing that I think has become or we both know has become sort of that sort of sexy form of investing over the past 10 years you know, placing bets on businesses that have really good foreseeable growth potential and, you know, where you can get returns rather than 10, 20%, you know, upwards of, you know, hundreds or even thousands percent returns. So that's sort of my view on or top line view on venture capital. Do you have uh, anything to add from your point of view? If you think about the life cycle of a company, you know, it starts as an idea and then it grows and it grows. And then at some point it's a big company and it becomes a public company, and then eventually it will die. If we think about what we talk about with equity mates, it's mainly investing in public markets and it's generally investing in companies that are more mature, that have gone through the growth stage or at least the initial growth stage and are big enough to become public companies. And that's when then we speak about investing in them. Venture capital is invests at a different stage in the company life cycle. Uh, It invests in the idea or like the very early growth stage. And so what you have is a different risk and return profile. So the the risk is obviously a lot higher because when you're investing in a company that 
is in the in the public market. It's already grown and it's already proven itself. It's it's not a bad idea. And then it's just about how they continue to execute. But venture capital is investing in ideas and early companies, a lot of which will turn out not to work or to be beaten by other companies. So you, you make a lot more bad bets in the land of venture capital. But the flip side of it is when you make a good bet, you make a lot more return on those bets because all that growth trajectory that companies have, you benefit in. So you expect to pick a lot more losers, but you expect to have massive winners as well. So it's just a different stage of investing. Yeah, nice. So there are a lot of great minds out there that have generated plenty of good concepts and great products and have benefited from venture capital, but they haven't always translated into sound businesses. So how about we jump into some of the bigger falls that we've seen on the market, Ren, over the last sort of year and a half from companies that were once private and a good idea and have generated some great venture capital inflow and are perhaps now, I guess, being questioned by the market as to the validity of and, and the long-term uh, success of potential for these businesses. So do you want to kick off? Yeah, I think it's worth saying some companies are being questioned about their long-term prospects as a business. A lot of them are just, the market is saying they're overvalued. So it's, the market isn't saying they're going to collapse and die, but it's just that they're not worth what private investors said they were worth. So if you hold some of the companies we're about to speak about, I wouldn't panic unless you're a WeWork investor. We'll get into it. <laughs> Maybe panic. Well, to be a WeWork investor, <laughs> Ren, you'd have to be in private markets. So yeah, yeah, shout yeah. out. Maybe, you don't know who listens to this podcast. No, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, – Masayoshi, the head of the Vision Fund, actually is a listener. I heard Warren Warren Buffett is also an avid listener as well. Brushing up on I don't know if he, skills. Uh, I don't I don't know if he's on podcasts yet. I think he's still a, a new telegram. Man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But anyway, what's what what's happened? So for context, the S and P five hundred, the index of the five hundred biggest American publicly traded companies is up 18% year to date. Now, that context is important because a lot of these companies that we're about to speak about have fallen even in a market environment that's gone up. So we touched on WeWork. WeWork was going to IPO. It wanted to go public and it thought it was worth $47 billion. Goldman Sachs had privately said it could go as high as $65 billion. However, it eventually had to pull its IPO so it didn't go public because the public market wasn't willing to value it above $20 billion. And then like a week later, they fired their CEO. So that's probably the big one that's got headlines. But if you look into it, a lot of these other big tech companies have also had pretty shocking runs. So Uber is down 29% from its IPO price. Lyft is down 50% from its IPO price. Slack, the messaging app, is down 33% from its IPO price. Spotify, the music streaming service, is down 21%. And then in the last couple of weeks, Peloton, the fitness company, I guess you'd call it, it IPO'd two weeks ago, basically, at the time of recording, and it's already down 19% from its IPO. Have you got any other examples? A couple that IPO'd last year, and I think Snapchat was maybe even the year before, but Snapchat is down 46% and Dropbox, which I think was uh, early last year, they're down 31%. 
So very much in line with the declines that we're seeing across some of the big hitters that you also just mentioned there, Ren, which is pretty amazing that you must think, you know, you've got some of the, what are supposedly the best investment bankers in the world bringing these companies to market. And I guess they're the ones that tend to set the valuation at the end of the day. And it just goes to show that the public, the public market, pretty much is disagreeing with with these big investment banks. And yeah, it's it's an interesting story, particularly WeWork. Yeah. And I think the important thing to keep in mind is it's not like all of tech has had a shocking year. I think, uh, so Facebook is up 33% year to date. Google, or, well, not Google now, it's Alphabet is up 14% year to date. I think Apple's close to 30% as well. Yeah. Amazon is up... 12% year to date, mm. there's a real distinction. There's, it's not like all of tech is going poorly because you would explain, you would, you would say that that somewhat explains it. Or even if the whole market was going poorly, that somewhat explains it. Another one, Microsoft up 37% year to date. So you're seeing, you're seeing this really big distinction between some of the more established and importantly prop, profitable yeah. tech companies. Yeah. And then a lot of these more recent unicorns that have had sky-high private market valuations from venture capital that are now sort of being found out by public market investors. I was going to mention that P word, profitability. I think it's very clear with the companies that you just mentioned versus the companies that we have just spoken about that are down since IPO. You know, Uber and Snapchat, maybe even Spotify, Lyft, all these companies have gone IPO environments. Well, when they're not even necessarily turning a profit and they're just chewing through cash. So versus, you know, the likes of Microsoft and Facebook and and those sort of bigger tech companies that are profitable. It's very easy to see how the market thinks about them. The stat that blows my mind, just to, to illustrate how unprofitable some of these companies are. So in 2018, both WeWork and Uber made a loss of $1.8 billion. And if you think about that, that's losing over 200 grand every hour through their operations. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Like they are just burning money. <laughs> that is, that's incredible. And it, it makes you question why they keep continue to have money poured into them from the private markets. Like, surely there's a point where it stops. But anyway, time will only tell. Well, I think that's a nice little segue into how this bubble has been created and why it was created. Because 
I think that goes a long way to answering that question, why people keep pouring money into these companies. Yeah. Should I uh, step back in history? <laughs> you should step back in history, Ren. I think, where did it start? started with the iPhone release back in 2007, if I am not wrong. Is is that your thinking? Yeah, that that is. So, if you think about venture capital in the tech world, there was obviously the first tech boom in the late 90s and then the crash in 2000, 2001. And then there was a few quiet years in the world of tech. And then really the mobile revolution started with the first iPhone in 2007. And we saw some big early winners in that space, Facebook shifting to mobile, Uber. There was a bunch of other app-based winners. And what we saw was a lot of capital flowing into that space because of the opportunities that the iPhone and smartphones in general created. And then what we saw was obviously the GFC happened and people got skittish about public markets. And so a lot of capital moved to both private equity and venture capital. And then low interest rates since then have funneled more money into venture capital because all of these uh, big institutions, big endowments, and just high net worth families and individuals are all searching for yield. And private equity and venture capital have really been the places where returns have been good in the post-JFC world. So what that then leads to is a lot of unsophisticated money entering the space. So if you think about, there's a class of professional venture capitalists who are very disciplined, who are very good at scrutinizing business plans, very discerning when it comes to how they invest and how much they invest. But as as more and more capital floods the space and more and more people try and make money in venture capital because returns are good, that discipline sort of leaves the industry because companies can go to people who have a lot of money but don't have that investing discipline. And then what you see, what we have seen in the venture capital space is a surplus of capital, meaning that instead of startups competing for funding from venture capitals, venture capitals were actually competing to fund startups. And so it meant that to invest in some of these hot companies, especially companies like Uber, the startups, the companies could have basically named their terms. And so they were asking for larger and larger check sizes for smaller and smaller amounts of the company. And what we really saw was because of all this capital in the space, generally at some point, companies need to go public to raise capital to really fund their next stage of growth. But instead of that, because there was so much money in the private market, all these companies just kept hitting up these venture capitalists for another funding round and another funding round, and they could delay going public. And so what we saw was these companies get to crazy valuations. You know, we work $40 billion, Uber $60 billion, just huge amounts of money, even though these companies weren't profitable. And it's just because their funding rounds kept getting bigger and bigger and they could kept, keep demanding higher and higher valuations. And then really what's happened is in the last couple of years, people have stopped funding them or, you know, what, for whatever reason, people have wanted to get their money out. You know, Uber had all their issues. Travis Kalanick left and then investors wanted to get out. And now all these companies are getting found out in public markets and people are realizing that in many cases, venture capitalists, because there was so much money in that sector, overpaid and these companies aren't worth what they were valued at. Yeah, super interesting. I guess it's pretty worrying. Well, not worrying, but you would think that they would have more discipline when it comes to in investing large sums of money like this because 
at the end of the day, they've gone public and that's usually the way that these investment companies or venture capital firms actually make their money. That's their exit. And in fact, you know, the market's finding them out and I'm sure a lot of them are losing out. Yeah, super interesting. So what, I guess, has this created? Is it a stain on, on VC? Do you think, Ren, is is this trend likely to continue? What do you think is going to happen there? So I think we're probably at peak venture capital for this cycle. We've spoken about this SoftBank Vision Fund a few times, this yeah. $100 billion venture capital fund. There was talk of raising a second vision fund, but that talk I'm pretty sure has been shelved because they obviously had big investments in both Uber and in WeWork. uh, WeWork. But yeah, even if you look outside the vision fund, just the number of mega deals that were happening recently were just absurd. So in 2018, the number of mega deals worth over 100 million would double just the year before, just 2017. So it was just accelerating at such a rapid pace. And I reckon what we're going to see is that slow down and all of, some of that excess capital move away from venture capital and try and chase returns in another asset class. But look, at the end of the day, if you invested in Uber or any of these companies in the early days- Oh, you're laughing. You'd still make, yeah. Yeah, still make great investments. So venture capital isn't dead, but maybe paying, maybe valuing a company that's losing money at $100 billion might be, uh, might be dead for the moment. Yeah. And what's also interesting, Ren, is that you would expect some of these companies, well, at least based on history, some of these companies to be snapped up by other sort of larger tech companies. I'm thinking, you know, Instagram, for example, was snapped up by Facebook and they also approached Snapchat to be purchased, and, but that didn't go through. Do you reckon yeah. the fact that some of these larger companies, you know, quite established larger tech companies with a history of acquisition are not actually putting their hand up to say, hey, we'll, we'll, buy, we'll buy you guys rather than go public? Yeah, I think, I think that's 100% right. It's a really good point. You look at a lot of tech companies and yeah, they either go public or they get bought by a bigger company and that just doesn't happen anymore. And, you know, we talk about companies like Spotify, rather than Apple trying to buy Spotify, they just made Apple Music. Mm. We talk about Slack, the messaging company, rather than Microsoft buying Slack, Microsoft has just made Microsoft Teams. Yeah, it it is indicative of these companies being overvalued that the natural companies that would have acquired them weren't interested in acquiring them and in many cases just built replica themselves. So they, they must have known that it was cheaper to just build it themselves rather than to buy these companies. Mm. So I think, yeah, good point. It, it's very indicative of a overvalued market. It will be interesting to see if this trend continues with some of these large tech firms, you know, if they continue to fall in the double digits percentage-wise, if they do then eventually become an attractive acquisition target for some of the larger public companies out there. So yeah, I'm keen to see what happens in this space. So why is this bubble sort of coming to an end, do you think, Ren? What's sort of some of the the key things that we should be considering when thinking about this trend? Bubbles always end. No, like, especially a bubble that like this, where it was just, they, these companies were unprofitable. So needed people to keep funding them. No one has unlimited capital, not even SoftBank, and no one can afford to just continually fund a perpetually money-losing company. So it was going to happen and it just seems like now was the time that it did happen. I think a few things probably 
led to it being now. There's obviously slowing growth because of the trade war and Brexit and all of that. And a lot of these companies continue to be funded because they have crazy growth rates because they keep acquiring more and more customers. And as the global economy struggles, potentially those growth rates start to slow down. But I also think there was just some things, you know, like Uber went public because it had all of these issues because it got rid of its CEO and because its investors wanted to make a return. And then everyone saw what happened when Uber went public. Its investors wanted a $120 billion valuation. It went public at $75 billion and then it's fallen 29% since then. And then if, if you're a another, you know, unicorn company that's getting heaps of venture capital, you start to worry and you think, how are my investors going to realize their return? We need to go public soon. And that's why we've seen so many this year, I think, because everyone wants to get in while the going's good. No one wants to go public in a bad market environment. And so I think, you know, we, we saw more companies go public. We saw them have pretty bad or pretty soft IPOs, and it's sort of snowballed into the situation where we are now, where we're having conversations about, you know, these unicorns being shown as maybe not as good as we thought they were. Mm. Yeah, super interesting. I think it is interesting to think about, you know, how long a lot of these large tech companies put off an IPO, and then, you know, in the last sort of 24 months, there's been a spate of quick IPOs with some of the biggest private tech companies in the world. So, I think it seems like they're all trying to cash in as as the going uh, is still good. I'm trying to think of some other sort of large tech companies that are still private. So I've got a few. Yeah. Why don't I tell you the name of the company yeah. and how much they're valued at and you tell me if you would invest in them or not. <laughs> okay. All right. SpaceX valued at $33 billion. SpaceX. So Elon Musk's yeah, so- space adventure. <laughs> um. I mean, it would be a it, um, yeah. I'd give it a crack. Why not? Okay. <laughs> Airbnb valued at thirty five billion dollars. I like it, but I probably wouldn't be investing in Airbnb at thirty five bill. Yeah, I think Airbnb is marginally profitable, but yeah, thirty five billion is a lot. I, I love it as a company. Yeah. What about this one? Jewel Labs Jewel. valued at $50 billion. Crazy valuation, I think. Just <laughs> yeah. crazy valuation. So Jewel is a, an e-cigarette manufacturer. Look, an industry that is addictive, that's for sure. And I can yeah. see it being a very good acquisition target for perhaps the likes of some of the larger tobacco companies in the world. But at a $50 billion valuation, you know, you're putting it up there with probably in the top 10 most valuable public companies in the world, maybe, I don't know, so in terms of tech anyway. No, definitely not. So, to, yeah, I, I think given the fact that it's getting re- regulated and banned in schools and all that stuff, $50 billion might fall away very quickly. Yeah. But just to illustrate your point before, so your point about none of the natural acquirers acquiring any of these big t- tech companies, I've just looked up Philip Morris's market cap. So Philip Morris is obviously one of the biggest tobacco brands in the world and you would think acquiring a company like Juul would be right in the wheelhouse for a company like Philip Morris. Yeah. But Philip Morris's market cap is $121 billion and Juul, this startup, is valued at $50 billion. So it's just, it's just not possible for a company like Philip Morris to then make that acquisition. So there's a, there's a 
an effect of the these massive private valuations that these kind of like Jewel as a company really has no choice but to go public if its investors want to realize the return. Yeah, it's a tricky situation for them. Any others? Oh, look, there's a bunch. What about this one? Uh, Peter Thiel's Palantir Technologies. I actually don't know anything about it. What's it valued at? What do they do? It's valued at $12 billion. It's like this top secret data science company that basically works with like the CIA and the US military and oh. now some police forces. God. It's, um, it's, it's like... Peter Thiel, the uh, yeah. founder of the early investor in Facebook, it's to- it's very secretive, but I think it's a very interesting one. Give it a Google. If you say any more, we'll have to kill you. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't. No one knows anything about it, but like, because no one knows much about it, you can obviously be very be very conspiratorial yeah, about exactly. it. What do you reckon the most valued, the highest valued private company is at the moment in the world? Yeah, tech or no? Uh, oof. Highest valued Not, private. It company. is a tech company, but I think this is just full stop. I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. It's valued at seventy-five billion. Oh, it's not the Saudi oil company, is it? Oh, uh, look. I think you've actually beaten me. I think that is valued at more than seventy-five billion. What's it called again? Saudi Aramco. Aramco. Yeah, they, they're looking at taking yeah. that public at some point, aren't they? What did you have? Did you have like? The most valuable company on this list that I have of unicorns is a company called ByteDance, which is a Chinese artificial intelligence company. Oh, interesting. There you go. Became a unicorn in 2017 and is now, so was valued at over a billion dollars in 2017. Just two years later is now valued at $75 billion. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. That's ridiculous. But it, show, it shows, again, the, the trajectory of these valuations has just been so rapid. Yeah, the desire for return and, and yield and, yeah, crazy bubble we're seeing by the sounds of it. Nice, Renwell. I mean, we don't want to discourage anyone from investing in any of these companies that we've discussed today. As you said at the start, it doesn't necessarily mean they're bad businesses by any means. It just means that perhaps they're more overvalued than they thought that they were worth. So if you're invested in them, as Ren said, don't panic. In fact, actually, no, I'm not invested in any of them. Are you? I am not at this time. There are some that I actually am pretty bullish on over the long term. So I like, you know, it's like Amazon and Google and stuff. In, In 2000 and 2001, they got uh, they got punished as the rest of the tech sector fell in that first bubble burst. But the quality, you know, the quality bounces back. And I think there's definitely some quality companies in the list of unicorns. But, yeah, I think uh, it's probably not going to be a fun end of the year for them. Yeah, agreed. All right, Renwell, always good to chat stocks. Enjoyed that episode. As you said very briefly at the start, if you're in Melbourne on the 23rd of October, 6 p.m., we're doing a live show with a panel of fits from the Equity Mates community who have been on the show before. So get on down. Tickets are available at equitymates.com forward slash Free, free tickets. Free tickets. Equitymates.com forward slash Finimize, F-I-N-I-M-I-Z-E, as we're partnering with them. And likewise, Sydney, we're doing 29th of October, 6 p.m., both at the General Assembly buildings in the cities. Tickets are free. Beers and wine are free. Chatting to Ren afterwards is also free. So by all means, and, we're and looking seeing, forward to seeing seeing Bryce there. live is priceless. <laughs> we will have our 
Equity Mates, brand new Equity Mates shirts on as well, which we will hopefully have oh, available yeah. for sale. Can't wait to see well. them. So looking forward to it, Ren. Uh, get your tickets. They are selling out like hotcakes. We hope. <laughs> we actually have no view on that, but anyway. Um, looking- <laughs> no, we, we have some view. We know there's going to be a few people there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our parents. Anyway, all good, and we'll chat next week, Ren. All right, sounds good. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.